When you reach out and grab the world by the tail, will it always go your way? Stay tuned and find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. What is up? What is up? What the hell is up, my Dark Horse friends and family? Welcome back to your weekly dose of speech bubble learning. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you, well, that, my friend, is infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur or one in the making. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, and just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal, or business results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's why I'm here hitting you with yet another one of these weekly success episodes with these amazing guests. And today, whoa, ho, ho, today we're going to be talking to Mark Stansel. Mark Stansel is going to be talking about associating with like minds, reminding us to not limit our options. He's going to talk about finding your niche, the importance of mentor advice, and following it, yo, check it out, uh, that and so much more. Plus, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into next week's interview episode guest. He was a lieutenant serving our country, well, serving the United States uh, of America in the United States Army as a platoon leader during Operation Iraqi Freedom. As per usual, the Dark Horse corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing g-o-l-d spilling from every corner of the dark horse entrepreneur hq so let's get to the starting gates and go all right my dark horse friends and family today's guest is mark stancil now mark is the ceo of terminus media terminus media is a faith and family friendly entertainment company focused on graphic novels animations and film now mark is also the author of shift Platypus versus Monkey. This all makes sense. Bear with me here. And the soon to be released title called Ascension, all from Terminus Media. There's so many amazing stories behind this, but I don't want to steal all Mark's thunder. All right, Mark, welcome to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's my pleasure to come out. You know, I, I saw some of the things that you're doing and I'm like, oh, I got to I got to chat with this guy. I was almost like uh, geeking out a little bit, but what, I don't want to give away the farm here. Don't want to give away too much. Uh, I want to shut up here and let you tell your story, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things that brought you to where you are today and why you love doing what you do so much. Awesome. Well, yeah, you know, about 20 years ago, um, I, uh, I was someone who uh, was, I'm a writer, you know, I come from a long line of writers. I never aspired to be a writer. Like some people, you know, I'm going to be a writer someday. Um, I never particularly wanted to be a writer, but I'm just, you know, uh, I like to write. I, um, I think I write pretty well, but uh, I was writing screenplays and uh, living in Atlanta at the time, about 20 years ago, there was basically no film business in Atlanta. And uh, I met some some guys at a comic shop, and you know they were writers as well. And so we started uh, meeting just to talk about the screenplays we were working on, and uh, you know to talk trash about the all these derivative films that are in the theaters these days. I can't believe it. 
how many sequels of Fast and Furious do we need anyway? I think they're on number 27. 14. <laughs> yeah, 14. Yeah, 27. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> but uh, we, you know, and, and it was when that that movie uh, Fight Club came out with Brad Pitt, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club, but we, we called our little writers group the, the right club because we basically throw down and say, the, the structure of your script is confusing. You know, it doesn't work. Or, hey, how many more times can you use an adverb, dude? Like, slowly, <laughs> gently, you know, hey, cut that out. So um, I think our writing got better and our scripts got better. But then we had all these scripts and we didn't know what to do with them. Because back then, if you didn't live in you know, Los Angeles or New York, uh, there was really nobody to talk to. Mm. Uh, so we uh, we had some buddies around in the comic shop and, uh, some folks we knew who were artists and so we we figured if we start turning these screenplays into uh comic books then at least we'll have a product that we can sell in terms of an actual book but it's also storyboards for a film we started making comic books and then we started making animation to promote our comic books that promoted our screenplays and it just kind of grew from there uh folks would see us at these you know nerd conventions and say hey uh you know i have a some public health education uh, that we'd like to, to see turned into a comic book and animation. Do you think you could help us out with that? Uh, yes, <laughs> I think we could help you out with that. So uh, then we broke, so that, that sort of uh, put us doing creative services for other people. So that's how the company got started and uh, the makeup of Terminus Media has changed constantly. Uh, we started out with folks who were just kind of wandering into a comic book shop on a Sunday afternoon. Hey, what's going on? Um, and we'd all sit around the table and talk. Uh, but the the team has has the team got big, big, and then the team got smaller and tighter and uh, faster and stronger. Because uh, sometimes if you're you know if you're in the the ship, you realize, hey, half the people on the ship aren't really doing anything. They're not pull- <laughs> they're not pulling an oar. They're not shoveling coal into the furnace they're not swabbing the decks they're just complaining about how everybody else swabs the decks and 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 complaining about hey why don't i make you know half a million dollars a year for for what i'm doing and so uh so sometimes you have to you have to uh you know kick them off the ship and sometimes you have to uh you have to take your ship into dry dock and rework it and you yeah. know, set sail on on the other side of the Suez Canal or whatever. So. <laughs> That's actually a great analogy right there. Yeah, it's funny. I think there's so many entrepreneurs have big businesses and small that can probably relate to what you just said that, you know, we started doing good and brought these members on. Also, we start looking around and some of these folks aren't doing anything that uh, they're not adding value, right? They may be doing something, who knows, but they're not adding value to the end product at the end of the day. And uh, you've got to, like you said, you've got to re, uh, re-hone the ship. you got to really check the crew out. Uh, that That's probably not the easiest thing you've ever done. Is that fair to say? Oh, it's, it is very difficult because, you know, early on, I was like, I'm going to help everybody and, and everybody jump on the ship and we're all going to be successful together. You know, the the whole Zig Ziglar, you can have everything in the world you want if you just help another enough other people get what they want. Right. And I think that's true. But when all those people 
our people who are tuned into you know WIFM, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they're saying gimme, gimme, gimme. But when you say, hey, I need this from you, like, well, you know, uh, I can't do that because my wife is busy. It, it needs me to do that, or I don't, I don't have any money to contribute to to this, you know, thing that we're doing. Uh, you know, when the money's big, they're like, hey, where's mine? But when the business is struggling, when the business is losing money, they're all kind of like, yeah, they're like. Just kind of standing standing over in the corner, minding their own business. Yeah, right. no, it, it, it's got to be a symbiotic relationship, right? You gotta, you, you gotta hold hands to the good and the bad, you know. Uh, and I think when, when you can find those folks that will weather the storm with you, those are the ones you want to hold on to, and you gotta, you gotta chip away at that uh, that dead wood. Absolutely. So, so, so I like so, to work with people that work. <laughs> what? Well, there it is. There it is right there. It is called work, by the way, just, just so everyone knows. Uh, so tell me a bit about uh, more about Terminus Media. You you, you kind of, I want to say you glazed over it, but you, you shared a little bit of it right there. You said it got big and now it's that small. I mean, what's what's Terminus Media all about t- these days? Sure, well, Terminus Media, I would say we're a comics, animation, film. You know, we're a media company. Um, you know, our bread and butter is comics and animation. And, uh, but... Our, our sort of take on it is we want to be the, the faith and family friendly comics and animation company. Mm. Um, there's a lot of great shows that I love, um, but they're not appropriate for, for kids. You know what I mean? So we want to be kind of, uh, you know, I think Disney uh, to some extent used to be that. I don't know if they still are. Yes. Um, they're going through a lot of changes there. Uh, at the, the Walt Disney Company, which I love. And I think Bob Iger is a genius uh, leader, uh, a long string of great leaders in that organization, which you can see by the results that they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Bob Iger buying Pixar, uh, buying Marvel, uh, yeah. the dude he was just like killing it. So a lot of admiration for that. But, you know, there's a, a lot of content coming out. Uh, so we want to be that faith and family-friendly company. Uh, whether, and when we say faith, it doesn't matter what what your faith is. Um, you know, we happen to be uh, Christians, and we're proud about that. And we don't feel like we should have to go in the closet. You know, because right. we're Christians, and we don't expect Muslims or or you know Jews or or Hindus or anybody of any faith to to feel like they have to you know keep their faith you know under in the closet or right. Yeah, and it's about being an authentic person. Mm-hmm. If if faith is an important part of your life, you should be able to to be out about that. So we're, we're so we are that. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, it's funny you mentioned the uh, the the shift in Disney, and and I'm with you. I agree. They have made some amazing moves. Uh, over the years. And of course, uh, I'm a little longer in the tooth than, than you are, I'm going to guess. So I've seen Disney change since I was a kid. And since my children were kids to mm-hmm. current, I'm a big Marvel fan. And uh, them scooping them up really kind of changes uh, almost 180 degrees what Disney was when I was a youth, right? I mean, when you watched Disney shows back then, there was it's almost zero violence, right? There was nothing questionable in there. And over time, and, and society has changed as well. So it's probably a, a reflection of that. Their their mantras has shifted. And now you've got them having Marvel under their their uh, their purview and, and Star Wars as well, you know, and then which is peppered with violence 
you know, I, and and don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan. I love yeah. me some Star Wars. I will go to every single Marvel movie that's out there. And yeah. it, but you're right. I think over over the generations, over the decades, they have made this shift from what maybe was once was an edict, right? Maybe carved in stone has since been, you know, uh, molded. And so ha- picking that lane for you, I think it's probably uh, awesome. Um, do you find that people are resonating to you as a, uh, as a result of you picking that lane as opposed to, Hey, we're just a comic book company. Yeah. You know, cause we used to be just the generic comic book company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be an, in, the, an indie comic company. Well, if you go to San Diego Comic-Con, the biggest comic convention in the world in San Diego, California, um, you will see that there is no shortage of independent comic book companies. Mm-hmm. There are, are literally thousands of them, and they're all going, look at us, look at us. Our stories are unique. Look at us. Our stories are great. But there's so many little fish in that big pond, it's hard to, it's hard to stand out. Uh, so for us, you know, having a faith and family-friendly focus for our for our business, it's 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 not just being authentic who we are, but it's also strategic. It's about reaching reaching an audience, mm-hmm. reaching the audience that we want to communicate with, that we want to uh, connect with. Because you don't you don't necessarily have to be a person of faith to appreciate our comics. They're entertaining. They're great stories, uh, regardless of of where you're coming from. But you know if you have you know, four-year-old, five-year-old kid, you can sit down and, and go through it with them. And yeah. Any mom who's ever gone or dad who's gone into a comic shop, you know, you have to either ask the guy there, hey, what's appropriate for the kids? Yeah. Or you have to give the comic book the flip test yourself and say, let me make sure there's nothing offensive in here. Yeah. So no Vampirilla episodes for, for the kids, please. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that this lane that you've picked is probably a value-based lane, right? Because if you think about any of the faiths, let's stick for faith for, for a moment, it doesn't matter. Like you mentioned, all the different faiths that you mentioned, they still have the same values. The stories behind those values may deviate some. Uh, that's cool. But the values are still the same. So you can um, effectively represent a Christian as well as you can a Hindu or a Buddhist because of those value bases. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I think it's absolutely true because uh, th- there are some truths that are that are universal, things like you reap what you sow. Right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you ask any person of faith, um, and pretty much any person who's not of any kind of faith, um, they're going to agree with that as a universal truth. Yes, if you put good and positive things out into the universe, you'll tend to get good and positive things back. Absolutely so, right. No, that's yeah. cool. I like that. I like that. And uh, I have I haven't been lucky enough to make it to the to the San Diego Comic Con. I've made it to a number that I made it to one here in Chicago, which was pretty pretty darn big and i have made it to dragon con and both of those you see a lot of the the indie uh comic folks there and some of the mainstream artists will go to uh you know the atlanta dragon con and those are that's a crazy show yeah dragon con is crazy uh and you know dragon con is our hometown convention i'm here in atlanta so you know, if you've never been to Dragon Con, it's it's a huge, uh, basically like a masquerade party spread over five hotels. 
and uh, th it starts on Thursday and it goes through Sunday afternoon, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a marathon of a convention, but uh, you know, it's, it's, I know I'm biased for them from Atlanta, but it's, that's really one of my favorite conventions to be an attendee at just because of all the really high quality costumes that oh. a lot of folks make themselves. And then they show up, you know, in the Marriott in Atlanta at two o'clock in the morning on Saturday at Dragon Con. Um, I remember I saw a guy, he was the dark Knight, like Batman, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was black plate armor that he had on. So he was like, uh, a knight in armor, but he was Batman too. <laughs> I'm just standing there, literally at, cool. at two o'clock in the morning on Saturday, looking at this guy and like just the detail, and he's got the bat signal in in plate armor on his chest. And uh, I just I love that. I love creative people. Like those yeah. are those are my people, the the creatives, and uh, making the world more beautiful and more interesting and more fun. So I think one of the cool things about these cons that have come about. And uh, I'm hoping to get the con guys on this show as well. But anyway, uh, that's yeah, a those are some great guys. <laughs> those, that's uh, right. I'm looking forward to, to chatting with those guys. And I've I've uh, I used to live in Atlanta. I was uh, I worked at Coke for like 12 years and then Home Depot. But anyway, so I was lucky enough to be able to the the in home advantage of getting to Dragon Con. And Ooh. the second one I went to, I was invited there to be a boom boy. Uh, for uh, a, a little, uh, I guess back then it was a uh, video show. And uh, he says, hey, my boom boy ditched out on me. He called me up and phone. Hey, my boom boy ditched out on me. Can you be the boom boy Friday afternoon? And you can have his pass, which was the three-day all-access pass. I'm like, uh, yeah, Ooh, because yeah, these things are hundreds of dollars, y'all, for anyone that doesn't know. And, uh, you know, so I got to walk around, hold the boom while he was doing the interviews. And we got to do the behind the scenes into the green room where folks were at, which was amazing right um but then it was like now i get to enjoy the rest of the event but all that to say i think what used to be looked at as the nerds and the i'm going to use the word weirdos right from way back in let's say the 70s and 80s it's so much more mainstream nowadays with the movies and and everything else you you see that too as well as in the comic book arena um, I do see the mainstreaming of, of comic books, um, especially Marvel uh, comics uh, in DC. So, yeah, I, I see that. And it's not like, uh, you know, I used to have kind of a creepy vibe, like, yeah. oh, it's, it's the 40-year-old guy, you know, sitting in his parents' basement uh, who forgot to shower for a month before he came to the convention. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that uh, negative perception of nerds. But, you know... I meet all kinds of folks who love pop culture and comics and uh, Japanese anime and stuff. And <laughs> they're very successful and wealthy and run businesses and all these things. But, you know, they still they got to keep the comic thing on the on the down low a little bit just because, you know, you, you talk to the guy in the office. who's like, how about that? How about that uh, game over the weekend? You know, and, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the game, man. I was I was in the parade of all the costume people. Sorry. <laughs> I missed the game. <laughs> right, right. I was taking pictures of uh, the Dragon Con parade with all the hundred stormtroopers, you know. But uh yeah, but, but the thing is too, I know a lot of uh, uh, you know, uh folks on our uh, terminus media team historically, you know, there's a lot of them who are just as passionate about sports as they are about 
comics. Uh, and so, you know, they, they walk in both worlds and that's great. That's <laughs> awesome. So you've built this thing, I'll say, from the ground up, from the story you were telling, sitting in the comic shop with your buddies. Hey, we got some artists. And you've kind of birthed this baby from, from zero to hero where it's at now. What do you think your biggest struggle along that path has been? You're now listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Well, I think our <coughs> our biggest struggle has always been sort of in, in the entertainment business. It's very up and down, up and down, cyclical. Uh, you you release something and it's a success, and then you release something and it's not quite a, as big of a success. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, cash flow is the lifeblood of a business. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're in a business that has a recurring model of, of revenue where, uh, say, people have a subscription to uh, your comic book that they can sign up for and every month you, you send them a comic, you know, that subscription model is great. Uh, but if you're just kind of, you know, going with whatever happens, uh, then it, it, it definitely affects cash flow. So I would say, you know, raising capital cash flow has been, uh, you know, has been something that, that we've had to, to learn and, uh, and had to master over time. But now, did you, did you go through that through the trial and error? Did, or did you say, you know what, we don't know nothing about this. That was good English, wasn't it? We don't know anything about this. So we're going to reach out to some expert that we have met and, and get their input. Well, I think mentors are absolutely essential, right? And I've had mentors in the past. Um, I've had advisors in the past who said, um, for instance, uh, hey, all of your people, you know, we work with hundreds of people all over the world, right? Um, but Terminus doesn't have uh, very many employees. Most of our people are sort of contract work for hire people. Sure. And we hire them on a project by project basis. Um, so because of that, you know, I was talking to another artist friend of mine who had leased a studio space for his art and stuff. And I was like, you know, one of our clients who's a big government client told us that we really needed to lease some studio space because that's how you get the big contracts is they visit your, they visit your physical address and they're so impressed by you. And then you get all these big contracts. And so I asked my buddy, I was like, do you think we should do that? And he's like, oh, no, you do not need to waste any of your money on on physical space. If you got to meet with your clients, either meet at their fancy office or, you know, meet for a lunch meeting or something. And so I was like, oh, thanks for that advice. And then I proceeded to lease, you know, a studio space for two years, which I think we had maybe two or three clients visit. Uh, didn't add to our cash flow at all. It was all a total drain on the business. Mm. Um, so, you know, number one, get a mentor or an, an advisor who knows what they're talking about, especially legal things and tax related things, mm-hmm. uh, finances. Uh, you need a good accountant and you need a good attorney. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be successful in business. Uh, but the other thing is listen to what they say uh, because we get excited. My my wealthy uncle, um, Uncle Johnny, who I put into a comic book here and there. Uh, don't tell him that. It's a <laughs> it's a sh- um, yeah, my rich uncle, old Johnny, you know, he talks about what he calls Mr. Excitement, right? And when you're an entrepreneur, you tend to get excited about things. You're like, we're going to do this. And, you know, we're like Matt Foley, the motivational speaker. I'm going to, you know, going to reach out. I'm going to grab the world by the tail and I'm going to pull it down and put it in my pocket. 
But then he says, but I think you'll find as you go along that your Mr. Excitement idea is, is not going to work out as perfectly as you think it, it's going to. It's going to take more time than you think it's going to take. It's going to cost more money than you think it's going to cost. Um, so not letting, not, not getting carried away with Mr. Excitement and spending a bunch of money on things like studio space or things uh, like we, we, we spent like five grand going to, um, you know, the New York Comic Con and we hired, you know, booth babes to, <laughs> to oh, yeah. model our characters. And uh, we, you know, we did all these interviews and we had a great time and we sold tons of comic books, but we didn't sell $5,000 worth of comic books or, you know, get $5,000 worth of, of benefit back in that. So you have to be really careful with, you know, your precious cash flow and what you, uh, what you decide to, to spend that cash flow on because it can make or break you. Amen to that. That's some great advice there, especially the uh, getting mentors and then listening to them. I've made that mistake. You have the mentor and they're saying, don't do, or, or the opposite, do this and it will double your revenues or double your, you know, conversions. And then you don't do it. And they're right. like, well, why didn't you do it? And you're like, mm -hmm. well, X, Y, Z. And then, then you could say, okay, I'll listen to you this time. And you go do it. And you're like, wow, it works. Just because you don't understand it 100% doesn't mean it doesn't work. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. But, you know, there's there's things that, you know, hey, if we buy if we buy this software, you know, this, this CRM software as an example, <clears throat> it's going to, you know, the software itself is going to be magical and it's going to generate revenue for us. But, you know, that software is only as good as the people who are using it, the people right. who are leveraging it the people who are taking action uh, with the tool. So the tool is not going to make you money. The way that you use the tool is, is typically going to make you money. So don't buy software you don't need and uh, don't buy, you know, office space you don't need. <laughs> uh, if, if your people are saying, oh, the boss is really cheap, you're probably doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. So, <laughs> You have, I was going through your website and checking some things out. You got a couple of big projects that caught my eye. I think one was Dominion. Is that right? And then yeah. Samson. You want to tell, I, I'm kind of, I was drawn in to do, so I want to give you the opportunity to, to tell everyone about it. So if they want to check it out, they can go do that. Sure. Um, and hopefully we can put some links to that in the show notes. Oh, we will definitely do that. Absolutely. That would be great. And uh, yeah, the first one is uh, Dominion Fall of the House of Saul. At the beginning of 2000, I, I spoke with uh, Dr. Baron Bell, um, and we were talking about, you know, where do we want to go with Terminus Media from here? This was before the pandemic hit and everything. And we were just tired of being the, that kind of generic indie comic book company. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to be more authentic to ourselves. So the first project that we chose was Dominion Fall of the House of Saul and Dr. Bell he pitched it to me. He's like, okay, this is weird, Mark, but here's what, here's what I got. You know, there's the story of King Saul and first Samuel in the Bible. It's like King Saul, the first King of Israel. And I want to do a book about his life uh, and his fall. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Spoiler I want to do it with, with anthropomorphic animals. So Saul is going to be a huge lion and he's the King of Dominion which all the characters are going to be warm-blooded creatures like, like cheetahs and wolves and deer and 
gorillas and rhinoceros, right? Those are the good guys. That's dominion. Yeah, suppose the Israelites and then the bad guys, the Philistines, they're going to be they're going to be alligators and cold blooded creatures, snapping turtles and that sort of thing. and Lizards. And so I was like, I'll just stop you right there. Uh, and oh, and it's all going to be set in like an intergalactic interplanetary universe. Right. And they're going to they're going to fly know. ships with lasers and they're going to have lightning weapons and. They're going to pilot huge battle mechs. And I was like, I'll just stop you right there. Because, like, I'm a kid who grew up watching, rushing home from school to watch Thundercats and Voltron, you know, back in the 80s. So, yep. <laughs> so I was like, when you said lines in space, you, you had me at lines in space. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he went away and did some concept art and stuff. But the book has just turned out really beautifully. Uh, we're on chapter three now. We're... We're up to the point where we, in chapter three, at the very end, you get your first glimpse of this little kid uh, who you folks might be familiar with, David, uh, piloting this little battle mech called a slingshot. (laughs) (laughs) We get our first glimpse of him in chapter three. So we've got three books now of Dominion called The House of Saul. And it just, I mean, I'll tell you, this chapter three of Dominion is, is, it's, it's almost it's almost twice as long as all the other chapters, but I would say it's twice as good as well. And the other chapters were already in the great category. Nice. So it's, um, it's turned out really well. The team is really gelling and uh, we're hearing a lot of good feedback. People are like, is this, this is based on a Bible story. Uh, you know, see, people- <laughs> I think that's the cool thing about it is I was cruising through and just looking at the artworks. I'm a visual guy. So the artwork caught me first. I didn't even read anything. I was just kind of, scanning through and you have this cool little you know cruise by you can kind of check out all the different pieces of art and i'm with you you had me at lions in space right <laughs> that, that was good you know and then you throw in you throw in this cool story from a different angle and then you toss in you know like you said voltron or <laughs> you know whatever robot base i was thinking battlestar galactica for a moment oh it's so battlestar galactica yeah it's so you know, star it's wars like, it's such a cool way to share an iconic story. Again, whatever faith you, you, you go by, it's an iconic story. And all the values that come with that can be shared to the kids who would be like, oh, man, look, what a cool. They're not thinking I'm reading the Bible here. They're, they're going on a journey in outer space with these uh, amazing characters. I, I, I was I was hooked right out of the gate. Like, like I said, you you had me at lions in space. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, we, we share that. And it's funny how, uh, you know, there was Professor Howard Hendricks, who's a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He was he was teaching about how to how to teach people the Bible. And he's like, if you want to bore them, bore them with Shakespeare, bore them with nuclear physics. He's like waving his hands. It's like, but don't bore people with the word of God, right? Right. And so we, we take that advice to heart. And you know, we've heard from, from people who, you know, the only, maybe the only thing they'd ever read the Bible was for to maybe win an argument on social media or something. But, you know, people would be like, I'm not familiar with this story. Let me go read this. Right. I think that's great because if, if you know, if the Bible is, is at least in, you know, Western culture, is it's, a, it's an important historical document even if you're not a person of faith. So seeing biblical literacy go up, I think is, is a positive thing. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And then you have uh, uh, Samson Rise. That was the mm-hmm. other one, right? Yeah, Samson Rise is is our latest book, and we we uh, we worked with uh, Matt and and Daryl and our brothers in Australia, <laughs> and they wanted to do sort of a gritty, uh, almost like a, a old old west almost telling of the story of, of another Bible character that happened before King Saul in the you know the span of the judges, and. Uh, there was this guy, Samson, and, uh, you know, the way the Bible talks about him was, uh, and we, we had a debate within our company, right? Is, is Samson the, is he the Superman of the Bible, right? Or is he the incredible Hulk of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know Samson smash. Uh, but I think we came to the conclusion that he was kind of like the Wolverine of the Bible because he kills 600 people with the jawbone of a donkey, Right. And the reason he used the jawbone of a donkey is because the bad guys, the Philistines, who were still the bad guys back in those days, um, they had outlawed the them making weapons. So mm-hmm. he he made this improvised weapon, and uh, it's it's just a gritty t- it's a gritty telling of the story, and it starts at the end, um, and with with uh, Samson being in prison and thinking, how did I get here, and uh, just looking back over his life and. Uh, thinking about how did the strongest man that's ever lived, basically, how did he end up falling prey to his weaknesses and mm-hmm. uh, being locked up in, in prison? Uh, so, yeah, it's a it's a pretty gritty telling of the story, and I think that's a good thing. It's it's a book that we want to donate to prisons and uh, along with with the Bible, <laughs> get those things in there for folks. And uh, I think there's a lot to say about, uh, you know, Samson's biggest weakness was women. He just couldn't help himself when it came to a seductive woman. Uh, so I think that's something a lot of guys will relate to. And uh, a lot of a lot of women could probably relate to that. Story. Absolutely. And I think the cool thing about the the way you're telling these stories is you don't even have to know the story. Right, you don't have to. You don't have to be religious or whatever. And even if you are, maybe you don't know this particular story. Can't imagine how, but um, <laughs> and but you could still enjoy it. And when it comes to donating um, this book or the books uh, to prisons, remind me to hook you up with Zach Babcock. He's on a mission uh, to uh, reduce the recidivism rate, and he's actually been building connections in the uh, in the prison systems to get content to the inmates. So uh, I want to connect you two together so that we Please. can help me, so we can help make that happen. Please, Zach, that talk. I look yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do, I'll make sure that you we you two get connected by tomorrow. All right. Great. Let's do that. Right. Um, because we've been, you know, we've been talking about it, praying about it, because we we want to put positive things out into the world. We want to help people, not in a preachy way or a we're better than you way, but in hey, let's let's all help one another. And there it is. Uh, you know, sometimes there, people, there. sometimes I need help, and sometimes somebody else needs help. So that's right. It comes back to what you were saying earlier about Zig Ziglar. You help other enough other people get what they want. You get what you want. It's putting it out there. And if you don't put it out there, it ain't coming back. That's all there is to it. That's right. All That's right. right. 
Mark, I definitely appreciate your time. I want to be mindful of it, but I, you know, if any folks have something has resonated with them, they want to check out Terminus Media, they want to check out these books or any of the other ones you have out there, or maybe they have a project for their business. They're like, dude, maybe Mark's my guy. Where do we want to send them to? Sure. Folks can go to our website, uh, terminusmedia.com. Uh, it's spelled T-E-R-M-I-N-U-S-M-E-D-I-A. And we have all of our books for sale there. You can you can get links to, uh, you know, each of our books has an animation that basically tells you a little bit about it. So you can make a, a good decision about what you think uh, you would like to see. Uh, but we have the two books we talked about, Dominion, Follow the House of Saul and uh, Samson Rise. But we also have this little book, um, Radio Free America, on our website. Um, and it's it's great. It's a it's about the United States getting nuked by the bad guys, and they they use uh, in, the the resistance uses encrypted messages and hip hop music to coordinate to coordinate itself. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that's a great story. And then we have more of a, a kid uh, centered book, uh, Platypus versus Monkey, and this is actually a book that I wrote, <laughs> and it's a it's 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 kind of fun. It's kind of cartoony. Uh, it's about a monkey that was shot into space by the Soviet space program. Uh, got off course because it got hit by an asteroid. Some benevolent aliens find him and send him back to Earth. But instead of landing in the former Soviet Union, he lands in New York City and thinks it's his job to take over, you know, New York City for the motherland. Um, <laughs> so there's lots of great <laughs> and funny stuff there. So check little, it, out on website. it sounds like a little twist on the Planet of the Apes origins. <laughs> <laughs> Planet of the Monkey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so we'll make sure we're going to get all those links in the show notes so people can just click over and check you out. Any final words from the man, Mark? Hey, you know, just uh, be authentic, do what you love, and, uh, you know, take care of your family and, and love your friends, and life's better that way. There it is. I, I can't even add to that. And with that, we're out. All right, there you have it, my dark horse friends and family, Mark Stancil dropping comic book bombs on us right what what kind of resonated with you hmm yeah here let me let me tell you a couple of things that uh, kind of clicked with me thought number one associate with like minds mark talks about how he was a writer and, and always had been a writer but it was when he went to that comic book shop and met some of the folks there some of whom were also writers that's when things started to happen for him as well as for them see as they started interacting with each other on their writing projects what happened each of them got better with their craft they got feedback from one another they got ideas it's that brainstorming a session type of mentality you've heard me mention here a few times you see you do not go down to the local bar and cry in your beer if you're looking for a new job or if you're looking to get your 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 new business up off the ground, that new project going. No, no, no. That's not where the jobs are. That's not where the businesses are. That's not where the opportunities are. You get yourself out there and you associate yourself with those that are in your industry, working on your craft, doing what you want to do. That, my friend, is where the hidden gems lie. See, here's a cool thing. People pay thousands the heck, even tens of thousands of dollars to be in the right room with the right people. 
the fact that they're willing to do that should tell you that there's something of true value in doing that. Now, I'm not saying you need to pay hundreds or thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars to do that. You simply need to apply yourself and you will find those folks that you need and want to associate with everywhere. Thought number two. Do not limit your options. Mark and his friends were originally writing uh, for screenplays and movies and such, right? I mean, he said so. Then, um, once again, via that magic comic book store, he found some artists that had like passions. So they began turning those screenplays that they had written into comic books. And graphic novels. And if you think about it, have you ever seen a documentary about movies, like say, for instance, the, you know, the, the making of Star Wars and you see them, they've got this wall of blocks up there and little pictures have been drawn in each one. They're literally storyboarding out the movie, which is basically a comic book. So they shifted to storyboarded versions of their screenplays. Uh, and this shifted them to making animations to promote those comic books that they created via that storyboarding process. Well, here's the thing. If they had stayed so narrowly focused on just screenplays, would they have been successful? Yeah, maybe, perhaps, right? But I think, for me, their ability to adapt and overcome, like they say in so many military venues, they came, they adapted and they overcame via the resources that they had at their disposal. That is what led to their current, well, let's say their newfound version of success. So the question becomes, are you making the best use of your idea? Hmm? Are you narrowing down your chances by narrowing your focus too much? Take a look around at what missed opportunities there might be right within your reach. And then at the same time, take a look around at resources you have right within your grasp that you might not be leveraging towards your success. And thought number three, find your niche. See, in their industry, uh, their industry happens to sell, I don't know, 100 to 150 million comics each year. How would they stand out in the crowd? Remember he was talking about, you know, you go to the San Diego Comic-Con, largest Comic-Con in the world, and there's hundreds, maybe even more, um, of indie comic book sellers. Hey, come look at me, come look at me. Well, Mark and his team decided that they were going to be that faith and family friendly comic book source. So if you were looking for something that was family friendly and you wanted to have some of those faith based lessons woven into the storylines, then they were going to be your go to source for comic books and graphic novels. So that begs the question I need to ask you, have you taken the time to make your niche clear? Are you still a bit vague about it, right? Are you saying, for example, I serve coaches? Okay, what kind of coaches, right? You know what kind of coaches you're talking about, but does everyone else? Someone may say football coaches, basketball coaches. You're like, no, life coaches. Okay, life coaches is a little narrower. That's good, but I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That is a market of over 20,000 people in the United States alone, okay? 
So, and I get it. Yeah, it's a $2 billion industry and you want a little scratchier little piece of it. But I think you need to narrow down just a bit more, right? Perhaps you could be the life coach for men over 40 that have been divorced. Or the life coach for men over 40 that still need to learn, uh, work a bit more on their work-life balance skills, right? Okay, now you've really narrowed it down. You see, narrowing it down is going to lead to your success. And here's the real deal. You don't need all 20,000 of those people, right? That are raising their hands saying, I'm a life coach. You need 20. Yeah, right? 20. That's it. Now, if you're really greedy, oh, let me check that. Let me say that in a more positive way. If you're really hungry, maybe you need 40, 50 tops. So find your niche. And oh, oh, here's one more secret I want to let you in. Lean in. Listen real close. Turn the volume up. You are probably already in your niche. It's probably who you were yesterday, last month, last year. Hmm? Because you pulled yourself through it. You know how it's done. I'm just saying. All right. What, again, I'm going to ask again, what ideas or inspiring tips or thoughts resonated with you from today's episode? Hmm? Whatever they were, as soon as you can, safely, right? You may be driving right now. You may be running down the road. All right. As soon as you can, write them down. Put them pen to paper. That way, the next time you're going, what was that? idea I got when Tracy was talking with Mark about comic books. It may just, poof, gone, like into the ether, like smoke in the wind. Well, you can go back and you can see, here's why I wrote it down, right there it is. And then, later on, put it into action. Very important, right? Get out there, run your race, get your results, and let me hear about it. That's right. I'm serious. Tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Share the tips or ideas you came away with, how you put them into action, and what results you gained from them. Heck, probably even bring you on the show so you can share your winning story with my audience. Now, next week, all right, right, Nate, Nate Bailey is going to be on the show. Nate has this simple philosophy about life, and it is live what you teach. Ugh. Man, so simple, right? Nate sees what needs to be done, and he does it. He pushes himself and his team to the max. And then he makes sure he's leading from the front by pushing himself one step beyond that. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and these awesome stories from these amazing guests I'm lucky enough to bring on this show. So please go on down there, hit that subscribe button while you're there. Yep, that's right. Leave us a five-star rating. A five-star rating because I know you think we're that good. <laughs> anyway, at least the guests that I bring on are that good, right? Write a quick review. Leave us some kind words. Uh, maybe you have a suggestion. Hey, here's someone you need to interview, Tracy. Maybe you have a question. I read every single one of those reviews because I appreciate you that much. And of course, don't keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share this podcast with other entrepreneurs and business owners you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.